lights. Yeah, lights in the, it looks like in the trees in the forest. And the lanterns. Oh yeah, the blue lanterns. It's pretty, huh? Yeah. Well, you, show me how you do a podcast. A podcast? Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll listen to a different one. <coughs> different podcast? Mm-hmm. Okay. Look, what does she see in the river? Boat. A boat. That's right, a red boat. There she goes. Ooh. Where is she now? Where's the old king? Oh, the old book. king? I think he's not in this book. He's in the next book. Why? Mm, I don't know. Maybe he's resting. Or maybe he's out on an adventure. Oh. Yeah, she's sailing into the or city. Or he could be on his day off. Oh, yeah, maybe it's his day off. That could be... Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a new podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Turn the pages with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they try to understand the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Nick, uh, let me see if I can rustle up some hot takes or maybe just some Nick Wignall truth bombs um, here. (laughs) Uh, Aaron Becker's Journey. uh, It's a book that has no words. What's uh, your take on this? Is the author lazy? Is this a profound story? Is is this just a slideshow? (laughs) What's what's going on here? I think it's incredible. I I am a big fan. Maybe, maybe it's just because I have not encountered a lot of uh, books without words before, and maybe this is um, a bigger genre that I'm aware of, but it definitely caught me so- by surprise um, in a really good way. Uh, this is one of... So the first thing I'll say about this book is this is one of very few books that I, when my daughters have brought it to me, like around bedtime to read, or at any other time really, I've never not wanted to read it. Um which even for really good kids books, I'm, I'm sure you've um, experienced right. this. There are times when you just think, uh, cat in the hat again. <laughs> well, I mean, and maybe part of that is the fact that we're using read kind of loosely because, um, sure. you know, in some ways when you, when you do this book again, you're never, you're never, you're not reading the same thing. You're, you haven't, you have sort of a, you're, you're doing sort of show and tell for, for a story, but there's a, there's a lot of, improvisation that's, right. put, that's put on your shoulders. How, how much variation do you have when you, when you, uh, storytell or read the book? Hmm. I'd say mild variation. I, I, I think it's definitely different each time. Um, but probably not drastically. So, uh, and do you, and do you think that's because, uh, you've, like if, if would there be more variation if you were reading it to somebody new or was maybe your daughters, like there's already a story that they have in their heads based on the, the way the last time you performed it. And so they have, they expect certain things, but if you were to, I don't know, be reading this to somebody else's kids, would you try and switch it up more or how much, or how much do the pictures mandate in, in terms of like similarities in the story? Yeah, I think it's, it's partly just habit force of habit. Um, but 
Elena will definitely correct me if I am in the <laughs> habit of saying something and I don't mention it the next time. Like if I, we'll talk about it, but if we get to the forest scene and I, I don't comment on the, the color, the color of the lanterns, the blue lanterns, she'll always like, you know, ray me back to the, uh, to the lantern. So I think that's part of it is that like, she's just, um, kind of found a groove with it and likes that particular one. But I, but I still will try and, uh, you know, I'll throw in variations here and there and she doesn't seem to mind too much. So, (laughs) and then how much of it is, uh, like there's a pretty, even though I I made a joke about this just being a slideshow and not a story, but that's obviously not true. There's a very clear narrative arc in the pictures. How much of when you, uh, perform the book, how much is like, is you describing, the landscape and how much of it is following what the sort of the arc that the, of, of the story that the author clearly intended you to sort of trace. That's a good question. I think it's more describing it, describing and like querying. I do. A, I would be fascinated to hear other parents read this because my, for me, it's a lot of um, like dialogue back and forth between my daughter and I, like I'll say, you know, what, you know, Oh, like how does she look there? Or what's that thing over there? Or, um, so we, we kind of, we're like investigating the scene, um, together. Not, not so much the, like the formal plot, I guess, as much. Okay. Yeah. The plot, plot's a good word, but that being said, you know, this is really different. So you've really delighted, I think in some of the other books, like the Richard scary books, um, it, it's sort of a tableau where all the different, you know, if there's a hundred cars on the page, all the different cars are weighted sort of equally, you know, some of them, they might be different. There might be. Mistress Mouse's tiny car, and there might be a bigger one, but they're they're given sort of equal weight in terms of what's emphasized. But that is not the case here. Like there is a lot a lot of times, you know, the the color palette will be gray or or sort of like a sepia tone, and there'll be one thing, whether it's a kite or a crayon or marker or whatever. The, the other thing is that's interesting is I don't even know what the sort of magic utensil she uses is. Is it a crayon right. or a marker? <laughs> a piece of chalk like Uh who knows but whatever it is like that'll be in color and even when she sort of goes through the magic door that she draws um the the fan the word of her imagination is it's not quite like the wizard of oz where everything you know goes from black and white to dazzling color it's still kind of a, a faded background compared to you know compared to the the piece of chalk or the things that the the modes of transport she draws so you know, it, it, it's even if you're like describing what do you see, there's certain things that are highlighted in, in, in a very or at least it's like bold face type almost in, in terms of even there's no type in terms of like the colors and, and you know what you're meant to notice. I think that's a really it's a good observation. I think it's a really cool. Um, I assume it's an intentional tension in the book that the, the it seems like the well, I don't know about the author, the illustrator, (laughs) um, goes to great lengths to create a really, um, coherent kind of narrative and plot and really points, draws your attention in an obvious way to the girl and the, the thing she draws. But then the backgrounds, which are always to some extent, like you said, a little bit muted, they're so complex and rich that you can't help but want to look at them too. And I feel like that I have, I certainly experienced that, but Interestingly, as we've read this book more and more, I've noticed because I, I, I've started, I'll be reading and I'll watch. I'm really curious. I'll, I'll watch where kind of where my daughter's looking at, on the page. Oh, interesting. And it's it's very clear that more and more she's interested in the background 
more than the the girl herself um which makes sense she knows the plot now um she kind of knows what's going to happen but it's cool that there's so much uh texture and detail in the in the background um in addition to the foreground so i think that that back and forth is really neat does she ever uh jack is you know when when he gets a book sometimes he'll look at books himself and just sort of flip through and look but a lot of times we're reading them to him but uh does elena like get this book by herself and just flip through it and look at the pictures or like what she does this is definitely one of those books that she will um periodically you'll just kind of look over and she'll be on the couch um looking through it this is definitely one of them and is there when she does that is there like a a, f- a favorite page or something that she kind of settles on or Ooh, is there something that she seems like she seems especially interested in or I don't know that's a good question I feel like whenever I notice that happening I try really really hard not to interrupt like the the delicate sort of like sure. <laughs> I just want to like let it happen um yeah but that would be interesting to know I, I don't know just how is does Jack like this the book how? you know uh Jack hasn't uh I've been we're still at the stage where I'm I'm definitely uh more pushing this than he's requesting it um you know and uh, if we're being completely frank you know i uh sometimes just just to kind of have uh, have have done this <laughs> for for this episode i had to sort of coax him right to, <laughs> to do it with 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 like the cat in the hat in the offhand <laughs> but um that being said i was really impressed that he was very attentive the whole time words, he sat through the whole thing you know, cover to cover, which he doesn't often do. He'll kind of sometimes he'll put a token effort in on books, and it, it definitely held his interest. So I feel like this would be a good point to just mention that um, the ages of our kids. That my right. my daughter Elena's three and a half, and Jack yeah, is Jack what? just turned to two, yeah, a okay. couple you know, a couple months ago. So, I mean, so that, I thought that that kind of checks out, and I think even the the age group, the ideal age group for the book is something like four to eight or somewhere in there. So yeah, and I don't I think mean, I, I don't think Elena got really into it until probably about Jack's age or a tiny bit older. Um, and I, yeah. And, and those, those age ranges, I, I don't think that that necessarily means like you, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't like it's, it's, it's on the top shelf and right, right. that's right. But, but I mean, I think that they, they are, they, they do mean something. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That, absolutely. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Jack, look. What's on the girl's shoulder? Is it the purple bird? Yes. Look, and now she's drawing one line and another line, and it's making a rectangle, and the rectangle is turning into a magic flying carpet. What do you see? What are they flying over? What's that? Is that a camel? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it could be a car, maybe. I was going to say more of a horse-drawn cart, but it, it kind of looks like a car from there. What's that? Bird. That's the purple bird that, that freed her. Now she's flying over a minaret, and she's near a cloud, and there's a tree, and it's a city in the desert. And she flies on, and look. Oh, it goes out. It's dark out, that's right. It's like a purple sky in the desert. There's the palm tree and the desert. So, okay, so you you like talking about the uh, just almost on a page by page what's going on in the picture, but um, 
you do think that there is a plot to the book, right? Like there, there is clearly something going on. So even though there's no words, are you, you feel confident in sort of saying what you think the, the, <laughs> the plot is or talking about like what, even if not plot, like thematically what the book's about? Yeah, sure. So I think the, the, and if people haven't read this, um, there's a little girl in a sitting outside on the steps of an apartment in a big city. Um, and she's kind of forlorn looking. So there's a group of kids playing um, and you can see her, her mom and her dad and her sister in her, in sort of a cross section of her apartment and they're all doing different things. And she tries to get them, each of them to play with her. Um, and none of them, they're all too busy or not interested. And then she draws this magic door on the wall with this marker. And we call it a marker. It could be a crayon, I guess, um, that she finds mysteriously. And it takes her into this whole different kind of magical world. Um, and as she explores the world, she gets caught up in this, um, this story of there are some bad guys uh, who are trying to capture this magical purple phoenix, kind of a bird, phoenix-looking bird. Um, and they, they capture it, and she manages to free the bird. Um, and then the bird kind of helps her escape. And together, they, um, they uh, on a magic carpet, they end up flying through the desert. And then they find another little door, um, which leads... The, the girl out of the magic world and back into uh, New York City or wherever they are. And she reunites this bird with uh, a little friend, a little boy um, who apparently lives near her. And they become friends and um, decide to draw two wheels to a bicycle and head off right, together on a tandem bike. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, and it's really beautiful. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, for, uh, I, I think that's, Exactly. The, I mean, obviously, that, that's that is the plot for sure. So I, I, I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it'd be good to give people a little context. Yeah. Um, no, I I agree. Yeah. No. I mean, and I feel like, you know, there's, you know, there are, uh, there's definitely, a, a, not ambiguity in the book, but there's some things like I wonder what this means or maybe this means that. But I feel like, kind of the large that the larger strokes of the plot are pretty unambiguous. Um, Right. Like, yeah. And, and it almost seems like intentionally. So, I mean, the, the plot is not overly, I mean, how complex can you make the plot, um, in a, in a book like this, but I think that's kind of intentional. It's, it's not as much about a formal there, there again, it seems like it's more playing with the kind of tension between a formal plot and the kind of like immersive, like experience of a book, something, a book with no, only a book with no words can really do fully, which is have completely full bleed pictures with no words to kind of distract from. And it's a pretty big book itself. So you, unlike any other book I've ever read, you really like come into the world. It's very like atmospheric. Um, and I think that the tension between that and a formal plot is what makes part of what makes the book really kind of special and powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, sometimes when I, when I do this, I, I kind of feel like I wish I'd seen more, uh, silent films. Oh, like just to get us, mm -hmm. you know, how, how they, how they do this. I mean, I, I thought the, the main silent film I've, I've seen is, is the artist where you don't really hear him ever talking. And so that, and it's, and it's about how you, like how you, how you tell stories out, outside of language, you know, and I think that that's an interesting thing. Um, what, uh, like, so what themes So, do you think are, so that, that just, it's a simple plot, but, but there's a, that plot carries like a, a, a pretty heavy freight kind of thematically, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's a fair amount going on there, right? Yeah. Like, like lonely, she, she starts out, she's lonely and she, she can't, 
engage with her own family. One of the things also that I, I will say is um, the the cross sections are great. I don't know if Amazing. you had those books growing up where it's like cities, castles, you know, where it gives the little cross sections of the buildings. But it reminded yeah. me a lot of like, the detail of sort mm-hmm. of the citadel that she goes to. And then when when she's on the uh, on the the flying ship where you see the the, the internal insides. mechanism yeah. of the, the gears and how, you know, that, that sort of stuff. It really reminded me of those castle cities, you know, books where you could see cross sections of cathedrals, right. things like that, and and really get a sense for the like the apps, <laughs> Narthex, <laughs> <from> like, <laughs> the inside. Um, but so what's what's going like that? That's the basic plot, but that's not just what the book's about. So what is the book about? Like it's she's lonely in the beginning and she makes friends, or what what's going on there? Yeah, it. it I, I don't know. It feels to me like in the beginning it's this mixture of um, she. When I ask Elena how she looks, Elena says sad, but she looks kind of this combination of. Um, sad or lonely, clearly lonely, um, but also kind of bored, like she wants to do something. So kind of this boredom and loneliness. And then the the marker is a, that she finds allow, you know, is sort of imagination, right? She, through using the marker and her imagination, she's able to explore this, this new world and kind of experience all these adventures. Right. And, um, and I think it's, and I think it's interesting that, so in the beginning with, with those sort of sepia colored panels, uh, the, the the action items she's trying to get her family members to play with her and you know and then you know she she has the scooter and then she has a uh, kite and then she has a ball, ball. and she, yeah. and all those things are in the same red as the marker and that's like that's an activity that maybe she wants you know the family member to to play with and then the marker is also or crayon whatever it is is also that same red and so I think that's suggesting that this has the same sort of potential for activity. Um, that these other sort of toys or which you don't often, you often think of drawing as kind of a passive thing, but I, but I think one of the things that it makes is it's, no, it's this same active exploratory because she's able to enter this whole world through it. You know, and it, it, she literally ride, she, it, it becomes a boat and a flying carpet and a hot air balloon and all these different things. Yeah. And but, so, but interestingly, right. she, um, she wants at the beginning, she wants other people to play with her and to kind of create um, play and excitement um, sort of for her or with her. But, but one of the things you could take away is that she learns, she learns that she can do that on her own to some extent, like just with, with this little marker, she can kind of create these things on her own, which then, and then, but the final kind of arc of the story is as a result of all this sort of um, imaginative play if you want to call that or exploration she ends up making a friend and gets right. the thing that she wants in the beginning right and the other thing is that she encounters all these people there's like the all the, the people on the gondolas and the the castle city and and the people that she steals the bird from but those aren't um you know they interact with they wave at her or they chase her down and you know put her in a cage but they are definitely not like the playmate partners that she's looking for and she doesn't find the playmate partner until she or collaborator until she sort of returns to her own world, you know, that kind of the drab world, you know, with through, through the, through the agency of the bird, but she returns back to sort of like real life and then finds somebody else that also has a magic, <laughs> has, has a magic marker. And, Which and is then a, they, and, good. And then also, and that's, that's the boy in that first panel. He was there kind of all along, yeah, right? Cause he's, right. he's one of the figures and he doesn't have playmates either. They're not, he's just kind of, 
he he's also lonely. So what's the yep. connection between these two people? And that I think that's an interesting um, another kind of tension thematically in the book is, but in one way it's it could be kind of a commentary on. Um, on friendship and loneliness and friendship and kind of going through loneliness and finding friendship. But then if you think about it in terms of imagination and art, there's, it, it, it's sort of a commentary on what I think with any kind of artist is the, the important tension between um, kind of solitary, like inner imagination, um, like the, the focus on the individual and their own kind of unique take on things, but also the importance of uh, connection and sort of other people too. So it's, I, I think it, it, what's cool about it is that it works on multiple levels there. It's talking about kids and friendship and loneliness. Um, but presumably like, like a lot of great art, it's, it's kind of a commentary on art itself. Right. And that's a hard, I mean, trying to work, those are tricky things to work through when you're a kid. I feel like, I think, you know, when you played pretend games as a kid, what was that like when you, when you interact with somebody else? I mean, was it, was there always a showrunner or, you know, uh, that says, okay, you know, here's, you go over to someone's house and say you're playing with their toys and they say, okay, we're going to play this game. We're going to play hospital and we're both doctors. And, but then I'm, and then one person kind of leads and the person just sort of has, is coached through responses or do you remember anything about how, how that works or sort of creative collaboration that you, that you did when you were a kid? Yeah. I feel like there was, there was often a like I think growing up, I, have a, I had a cousin who we used to, in the summers, we used to go camping with them. And so we did a lot of like fort building and right. sort of adventuring together. And he was older. And so I, I think there was some sense of he was maybe a little bit more of the initiator. But I, I, I feel like in the middle of it, it always felt pretty um, collaborative. Collaborate. Yeah, sort but, of mutual. But how often, so I remember one of the things that like I had a friend that used to come over and we would play Legos for hours. And I was never uh, very good at the building, but, but one of the, it was a big, it was like a big friendship breakthrough because he wasn't as interested in the, the built, the construction of like the Lego things either. He cared about plot and <laughs> narrative oh, and the stories of yeah. these very like foresters and this, all the different wolf pack, like all the various different things. And, um, but also I also remember that every now and then there'd be like, uh, there'd be subject attentions when I would say, Oh, and then he does this and then he might challenge me and say, no, actually this sword can be this because it's a special sword. And there's that kind of like moment of like flexing mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you picture or, or, or I would do the same to him. I go, Oh, well, no, I, I and then you, it, it, it's all, there's a certain uneasiness because it's, you know, where, where is, is that this is kind of happening inside our own brains, but we're kind of sharing this space sometimes a little uneasy and someone says, well, I think it'd be better if this person is actually like this. And then you say, oh, oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but I mean, uh, and so it can be kind of a hard, a hard thing, but there's, but there's no better. I mean, there, there's no better, but when they, they both, when they meet, they're pretty much on the same page from the beginning. They, they draw a tandem bicycle. It's pretty much, it's hard to think of a better sort of symbol of collaborate that each of them contributes their own circle. You know, it's right. very egalitarian, right. you know, so, but that's, that's the last, you know, page or two of the, I mean, the vast majority of the book is really, it's kind of a solitary book. The yeah. vast majority of the time, right? There are other characters of course, but it's, it is very solitary. So that, I, yeah, I think it's interesting that 
Yeah, and, and I, I thought the most memorable uh, set pieces are probably that that first forest when she when she walked, yeah, and that's yeah. a that's a real moment. And when you when you turn the page, so did you did you read this on your own? Did you kind of flip through it on your own before uh, like before telling it or performing? Yeah. It? So weirdly, it's, I found out about this book through some um, blogger I follow, and he and this was years ago before I had kids, and I, I just bought it because I was like, I think he described it as like. Um, you know that something about like the the kind of like children's book that any adult will want to read on their own, or like you don't have to have kids to really enjoy this children's book or something. Right. And I, so I bought it. But interestingly, I don't remember much about my experience of it then. But I remember the I, I distinctly remember the first time I read it with my daughter, opening to that page where she comes out of the her like sepia bedroom and into this huge kind of lush green um, forest being one of like the best moments yeah. in children's oh, it's, booking. I mean, it's beautiful. Ever. Yeah. I mean, I think something that we should definitely do, um, you know, maybe on the website is, is when we've been doing this for a while and you kind of did this with one of your blog posts, but just some of our favorite sort of scenes from mm. children's books. Like if you had to put, if you like an imagine, you know, a fictional travel agent, like where like <laughs> right. 10, 10 places you would send people. And I feel like uh, one of them would be that, that forest with the the blue lanterns. I mean, it is, it's, it, it's really beautiful. And there's, there's no people there. And then similarly, the other really beautiful one is when they're on the magic carpet, the carpet right? and, yeah. and the desert. And so they, they fly over city and, and that's fine. But then there's that sort of, I don't know, du- it's at dusk or something like that. And then it's that sort of, it, it's really, I mean, it's the kind of thing that you want to ha- have like a screensaver or something. Yeah. For. It's, and as someone and, who lives in the desert now and has for the last <laughs> few years, like, it is really remarkable how true to life, like how how it work. A lot of like sunsets don't really work representationally, but somehow, I mean, it'd be interesting to have like an, an illustrator on and kind of talk to them about how this works visually. But just yeah, well, and I, I think it's 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 interesting when people nail that kind of range. Uh, so the, the author, I think, lived all over the world. I think he lived in like Egypt and Japan and places like that. And I think it's always interesting when people bring that real life experience to the books um because it there's a certain realism to it just like when and and i feel like when some when um there there were painters that would go to the tropics or, or places like that in the 19th century and then they would bring back these seascapes or landscapes and people thought they were sort of painting from the imagination because they didn't realize the sky looked there's a a different like that yeah there's like a, a different uh quality to light and you know different parts of the world and uh, i don't know that being able to to mine that you know for illustrations is is really interesting i think and that's what the girl you know in the, in the beginning you you see all these um you know you see a map and you see pictures of the pyramids and you see pictures of airplanes there's all these things from her world that are right you then, then, know then, then representations then right. but then she in when she goes in the book you get she experiences all of those things in kind of vivid color in real life um, yeah, which is really, just really neat. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, it, it is, it, I mean, it is a book that like if, if, apart from its ability to tell a story, I wouldn't mind just, you know, opening it up and leaving it as a, as a wall art or something or something like this. I mean, it, it's, it's really gorgeous. Um, okay. Well, I mean, that's, those are pretty much all the things that, you know, I was in anything that, you a question you had for me like about yeah what do you what do you think about so in in some ways the book reminds me um a lot of where the wild things are which is oh yeah um 
which we just did uh, for right, the podcast. Yeah, so, so, so it, yeah, you know, so it's, yeah, it's very, very similar, obviously, because it's I, I, there's a child that that can't have sort of the active play with a member of his family, and he gets frustrated, goes to his room, goes to a magical forest, you know, and then like makes a return to his own reality. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot there, like similarity wise. What what's but but one thing that's different is uh, Max is. Max and, and where the wild things are feels like he's working things out. Yeah. Whereas like he's working through this tantrum that he has and it feels like she maybe is not working out something, but she's seeking out something. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a difference to make. She, she, she kind of knows what she wants. Like she, Max's, Max's desires feel a little bit more confused than hers do is, is is that does that ring true for you yeah is that fair? I, it, to me the in some ways the big difference is the age of the protagonist right because it, like you said he's working out these kind of seemingly more um not less important but primitive sort of uh internal conflicts whereas she has this more adolescent quality to her of wanting to explore and like she like you said she has a more defined vision for what she wants and it's about kind of chasing after it um and i think so, so I think that's really important. And one of the things I've noticed about my daughter is that she is, while she's probably closer in age to Max, um, she uh, lately has, re- she's really fascinated with what she calls big kids, in particular big girls. So girls who are like late elementary school, you know, middle school, high school, she's just really fascinated by it and is always pointing them out and talking about them. And so I think it's cool as a kid, while maybe a kid her age would relate to max more perhaps yeah. she she definitely seems to admire the girl there, in journey more. Like, like an aspirational yeah, yeah yeah which is really cool like that's a really different thing than most of the books we read um which i, I just i think is awesome um and then the other thing too visually there's a big difference in that both are very rich and and stylistically really impressive but um as a photographer i i the way i think about a difference is that where the wild things are feels very zoomed in to me. Like all the images are very, um, there's not a lot of foreground background distinction, Yeah, but that, that is, you know, paramount in, um, in journey that, that is the book in some ways. It's this like overlay of the girl and the action and the plot onto this huge like world. And that the act of sort of having to negotiate those two, I think really, to me, I feel like it draws you in, more than it does uh in where the wild things are um, yeah and and i'll I'll see the other and that's where i think the fact that there can be these big sort of panoramic or or almost architectural cross sections these and then you still pay attention to the important elements because of they're so bold like in, not just the the magic carpet or the the marker but the 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 cage of the bird like all the you know it's like this is it, 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 there's some force like this is going to be important in a bit so the fact that you're able to pay attention to those details while simultaneously being aware of the big picture is a real is a real narrative feat. Yeah, I think you know in in terms of how it's set up. Um, I think it is also hard to to read this book, and certainly no one who no review that I've read of the book has been able to make it through without mentioning. Harold and the Purple Crayon. Have you ever have you ever read that one? I have a while ago. I'm, I'm, we yeah, haven't so read it together, but it's yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's the, same, it's the same. I mean, so and even the way that sort of the the story 
drips like from the you it, it's directly connected to the end of the crayon is this sort of like magical that you're drawing kind of as you go that's really similar and then i would say also if you're looking for other books that are uh similar to, you know the, the no words thing have you ever read the the good dog carl books oh yeah 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 so we, those, we're, we're real into carl these days yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like those are i mean i think chelsea growing up that they were really really loved those so yep those, those are other good ones but uh but yeah, I mean, even so, I mean, there, there are other people that are doing things uh, that the, that that they that the journey does, but not quite like journey. I think it definitely is. Um, it definitely is unique in that way. Hey, everyone, we hope you enjoyed this episode of a thousand and one good nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at 1001goodnights.com. That's 1001goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week. <laughs>